Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Uh, listen, uh, I want to tell you about two of the greatest days of my life. Uh, the two of the greatest days of my life were the days that my daughter Demi and my son Cooper were born. For those of you who are parents that you could probably relate to me, the days that your child are born are extremely exciting days. But prior to that, the second greatest days, I believe, at least for me personally, was the day that I learned that I, we were expecting a child. I still remember driving home from uh, my job as a teacher at Lee Summit Community Christian School, driving to our apartment in Kansas, walking in, and on the countertop was a little card. And I picked up the card, and Abby said, open it, open it, you need to open it. All right, so I began to open it, and inside the card was a little plastic contraption that looked kind of like a therm thermometer. Uh, and, and, and as I looked at her, I said, well, what is, what is this? And she said, well, it's a, it's a pregnancy test. We're expecting. And I cannot tell you the amount of joy and excitement it was for me to hear that news. Uh, listen, prior to the birth of a baby, there's so much anticipation and so much excitement. Um, there's the, the doctor's visits. There are the ultrasounds. There are the... the uh, the, the baby announcements that have to be sent out. There are the baby showers. I had to attend a couple's, I mean, I got to attend a couple's shower where we opened up gifts for the, 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 our, our upcoming baby. There's so much excitement and anticipation for the birth of a new child. In fact, there's a latest trend going on now. Perhaps you've participated in it, gender reveal parties. Have any of you ever participated in any of those? Where the mother and father are, are given the announcement or given a surprise as to what the gender of their baby is. Maybe it's a, everybody bites into a cupcake and it's pink or blue depending on the gender, or maybe they open up a, a box and pink or blue balloons come out. Listen, anticipation for a newborn baby is incredible. And even the most significant, even more significant than that was the anticipation of, and the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, the most important person in human history. But instead of just a few weeks of anticipation, we're going to learn today that there were thousands of years of anticipation for the arrival of Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus had been predicted, he'd been promised, and, and it had been vividly described what his birth would be like. And so today we're going to be talking about the birth of Jesus. We're going to experience a little Christmas in July. Everybody good with that? A little Christmas in July. So we're in the middle of a series called Old Time Religion, and we're taking a look at the hymns and creeds that declare our faith, and we're particularly studying Scripture through the lens of the Apostles' Creed. As a reminder, the Apostles' Creed is a series of declarative statements that were written over 2,000 years ago that reminded the early Christians what they believed to be true. And so as we've done throughout this entire series, we've stood every week and we've read the Apostles' Creed together, and we're going to do it again today. So if you don't mind reaching into that bulletin, pulling out a card that says the Apostles' Creed on top, or you can follow along on the screen. So let's go ahead and stand together and let's read this very important creed that declares our faith together with emphasis and with some enthusiasm. Let's read it together. It says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may have a seat. Thank you so much for doing that. Today's emphasis, as Pastor Christian mentioned in in the intro, we are going to be talking about the line in the Apostles' Creed that says, who was conceived of a Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. What significance, why was this so significant that the apostles decided that they would put this in the creed? Let's, let's, Let's learn about it today. And I would contend today that the miraculous birth of Jesus from the Virgin Mary is as supernatural as the miraculous resurrection of Jesus. The miraculous birth of Jesus from the Virgin Mary is as supernatural of an event as the miraculous resurrection of Jesus. To deny the virgin birth would discredit all of the documented predictions about the birth of Jesus. To deny the virgin birth would ultimately compromise the authority of the Bible in our lives. To deny the virgin birth would be to deny the power of God that we so desperately need in our lives. So this was a very significant statement that the, the, that the early Christians put into the creed. And as we've been doing throughout this entire series, we've been skimming the surface of some deep, important theological truths. And we're going to do that today. I had a friend in Florida. He, his name was Chad, and he was what they call a, a free diver. It's a sport. It's a hobby where individuals using their own lungs, their own breath, will dive to the depths of the ocean, hundreds of feet below the surface. They don't use any, any oxygen or any scuba gear. They use only their breath, and they go to tremendous depths. And I asked Chad one time, how do you get better at being a free diver? How do you get better? He said, well, every dive I go or every dive I take, I try to go just a little bit deeper. Every dive I take, I try to go just a little bit deeper. I push myself. And then he said this. He said, when I go deeper, I get stronger. When I go deeper, I get stronger. And that's been our prayer for this entire series in the summer on the old time religion. We've been taking a look at some deep theological truths, and we want us to go a little bit deeper. And and as a result of that, our hope is that our faith gets stronger. And perhaps in this room today, maybe you, you aren't a follower of Jesus. We're glad you're here. We pray that as we unpack some of these truths from the creed, that your heart is open and at least a little bit more interested in hearing some of these important biblical truths. So why did the early church fathers believe that the virgin birth was so important? Let's take a look closer at it today. First, God promised the birth of Jesus. God promised the birth of Jesus from a woman. To, to find this promise, you have to turn your Bible all the way to the very first book of the Bible, to a book called Genesis. Genesis is a book about beginnings. It was written by a man named Moses, and it talks a lot about the fir- a lot of firsts. It's, it's a book of beginnings. And in Genesis chapter 1, we learn that God created 
He created the heavens and the earth and the earth. He created the world. In Genesis chapter 2, we kind of take a closer look at this creation um, event, and we learn about the creation of the first man and the first woman named Adam and Eve. And then in Genesis chapter 3, something very interesting that would change the course of humanity for all time, and that is we learn about Adam and Eve's first sin. We learn about the first time human beings were disobedient to God. And right after that moment, right after that event, God lays out the plan for his redeeming us back to a right relationship with him. And speaking to Satan, who had deceived Adam and Eve, he said this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Pay close attention because this is so important. He says, and I will put enmity or space or distance or separation between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel this is the first announcement of the gospel god's plan to save mankind right after the first sin the first act of obedience and every word in scripture is so so important especially in this passage the pronouns are so important. In this passage, we, we see that God did not say, I will put enmity between you and the man, between your offspring and his. He actually uses the pronoun her. And scholars believe that this is the first announcement or first suggestion of the virgin birth. And then approximately 4,000 years later, Jesus, the Son of God, enters into humanity, being born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, raised again, and dealing a crushing blow to Satan himself. You know, as I reflected upon that this week, I was reminded that we can trust God's promises for us today because he has fulfilled promises in the past. We can trust God's promises for us today because he's fulfilled promises in the past. The scripture, the Bible is, is filled, is packed full of promises that God has given us. He's promised us that he will supply every need. He has promised us salvation through him. He has promised that we can overcome any temptation that we will ever face. He has promised us victory over death. He has promised us that all things work together for good to those who love him. He's promised us that he will forgive us of our sins. He has promised us eternal life. And if I were to ask you this question, I, I wonder what your answer would be this morning. Where are you doubting God right now in your life? What part of your life are you doubting God Doubting the reality of God, doubting the goodness of God. You know, when I experience moments of doubt, I, I oftentimes am encouraged when I reflect upon all the times that God has pulled through for me in the past. Have you guys done the same thing? You know, um, I just started journaling intently the last year and a half, and I'm able to go back in my journal and reflect upon times where God has pulled through for me in the past. I try to write that down every time something significant happens. I was remembering about a year ago to this week, 
uh, we were planning on coming and moving to Florida to join the team at JCI. Our house was under contract. Boxes were being packed. We were ready to move. Everything seemed to be lining up just right. And then we got a phone call from our realtor. And the realtor said, listen, you know, we've got some bad news for you. The financing from the buyers has fallen through. We're back to plan, plan A. We're starting all over. I hung up the phone, and, I can't, and I, I'll have to admit, there was a moment, a little bit of panic in, in my wife and I uh, uh, in, in that moment. We, we panicked a little, but then we sat down and we prayed, and we asked God's help. And would you believe that two days later, after we had put it back on the market, two days later, it was back under contract. Where are you doubting God today? We can trust God's promises for us today because he has fulfilled promises in the past. God promised the birth of Jesus through a woman. Second is prophets predicted the birth of Jesus from a virgin woman. The prophets predicted the birth of Jesus from a virgin woman. There's a really cool technique um, in, in, in movie producing and creating movies, it's called foreshadowing. And once you know about it, you look for it. And, and it, it's pretty cool. It's this technique they use where the writers will introduce or plant something early in the movie that as the movie kind of um, um, continues on, that, that thing that they planted early in the movie takes extreme relevance later as the plot unfolds. Let me give you an example. One of the best examples that I know about is from the movie Empire Strikes Back. Any Star Wars fans in the room? Come on, there's got to be a few. A few Star Wars. Nobody's a Star Wars fan. Okay, so you're going to hear a little bit about it, all right? So Empire Strikes Back came out in 1980. And just a, little, uh, just a little alert here. This is a spoiler alert, okay? So be ready. If you've never seen it, catch up. It was made in 1980. So... Um, in this movie, Luke Skywalker goes back to planet Dagobah, where he begins his Jedi training. He visits with uh, Master Yoda. Do you remember? It's all coming back to you now. At this, on this planet, um, Luke Skywalker has this vision where he battles Darth Vader. And in this vision, he strikes a blow to Darth Vader. Darth Vader falls to the ground, and his mask is ripped open. And behind the mask was not Darth Vader's mangled face. It was actually the face of Luke Skywalker. This is an example of foreshadowing, because here's the spoiler alert. Plug your ears. We later learn in the movie that Darth Vader is actually Luke Skywalker's you have seen it. You didn't admit it earlier. I knew you'd seen it. This is a perfect example of foreshadowing. 2000, or the virgin birth was foreshadowed hundreds of years before it actually happened. Isaiah, the prophet, foreshadows or predicts it in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And Isaiah, the prophet, says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This happened hundreds of years before the actual birth of Jesus. You know, a number of years ago, there were a couple of guys named Peter Stoner and Robert Newman. They wrote a book that, based, uh, that was based on the science of probability. 
It set out the odds of any one man in human history to fulfill even only eight of the 60 prophecies that the person of Jesus fulfilled. There are over 60 prophecies about Jesus that he has fulfilled. And they set out to discover what is the probability that only eight of those 60 prophecies came to be fulfilled. And their number was astronomical. They discovered that the probability of Jesus fulfilling only eight of the prophecies was one in 10 to the 17th power. That's a 10 followed by 17 zeros. To put that as a picture in our mind to kind of help wrap our mind around that, if we were to take 10 to the 17th power, that number of silver dollars and spread them over the state of Texas we will be able to fill up a pile of coins two feet deep over the entire state of Texas. Let's take it a little bit further. If you were to given the ta- be given the task to drive into the state of Texas and find in this pile uh, of coins, one of those coins that had been marked a little bit differently, the probability of you finding that coin would be one in 10 to the 17th power. Amazing probability. And Jesus fulfilled all 60 of those prophecies. To put it in even greater context, the chances of you being or me being hit by lightning is only one in a million. Only one in a million. Jesus fulfilled all 60 of those prophecies. It's an amazing, it's an amazing probability. The book of Revelation is packed full of of prophecy. Perhaps you've studied it. it. Perhaps you've stayed away from it because it seems a little intimidating or too hard to understand. Uh, maybe at times it might be frightening, uh, but at times it could be really exciting because it talks about a future heaven and it talks about a future earth. And, and in the book of Revelation, I, I, there's this verse in Revelation 19:10 that is extremely profound. It's like the key to unlock all of the prophecy found in scripture. And it says this, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you want to understand the prophecy found in Scripture, then you need to understand the person of Jesus. The prophecy prior to Jesus, all of the predictions prior to Jesus, pointed to Jesus coming to this earth. And all of the prophecy following Jesus after he left the earth predicts that someday you and I, as followers of Jesus, will be united with Jesus. And as I reflected upon that, I was strengthened. My faith was strengthened because past predictions fulfilled in Jesus strengthen our confidence in the future. Past predictions fulfilled in the life of Jesus strengthen our confidence in the future. So let me ask you this morning, what are you worried about? What is keeping you up at night? Is it a project at work? Is it a future job? Are you about to send your kids off to college? Is it, is it your senior year in high school? Are there health concerns in your family right now? What are you worried about? Strengthen your confidence in the future by remembering all that God has accomplished in the life of Jesus, all that was accomplished in the person of Jesus. God promised the birth of Jesus from a woman. The prophets predicted the birth of Jesus from a virgin woman. And third is this, gospel writers proclaimed Jesus as being born of a virgin. 
The gospel writers proclaim Jesus as being born of a virgin. Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples and closest friends, emphatically proclaimed that Jesus was born of a woman. Take a look at it with me in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew writes this. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. He says, don't be mistaken. Don't be misled. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And another gospel writer named Luke, who, was ne- who never personally met Jesus, but he carefully examined, he carefully investigated eyewitnesses around the life of Jesus. He clearly proclaimed that Jesus was born of a virgin. And by the way, it, it was Luke who was, happened to be an actual physician or a doctor. And if anyone were to leave out this, this truth or this fact in the narrative that Jesus was born of a virgin, it would have been Luke because his reputation would have been on the line as a physician because that just seems so hard to believe. And, and Luke, chapter 1, Luke says this, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. You have, been found favor, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then Mary asks, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Holy, Holy, the Most High will, will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. You see, both Matthew and Luke risked their own name and their own good reputation by proclaiming that Jesus was to be born of a virgin. I, I want you to think about it for just a moment in today's age and today's time. Uh, imagine what individuals might think of you if you were to repost a, a post from one of your friends, and the post said this, Surprise, I'm pregnant. I'm not sure how it happened. It can only be a God thing. Hashtag miraculous. Right? If you were to repost that on social media, people would think you've absolutely lost your mind. Yet that's what Matthew and Luke did. Uh, even, even better, as I reflected upon it this week, imagine if my own daughter... <laughs> who just a couple years from now came to me and said, Dad, I've got incredible news. I'm pregnant. It was a miracle. Not sure how it happened. Praise God. Right? I I, I would say something like, let's praise God together as we take a visit to your boyfriend's house. Right? People would think you're absolutely crazy and that you've lost your mind, but the early Christians risked their own life for the events surrounding the life and death of Jesus. And they would have only have done this if they believed all of the narrative, all of the story of Jesus to be absolutely true. When we declare what we believe to be true, and what we believe, that we believe in Jesus, we must believe in all of the events surrounding the life and death of Jesus, including his virgin birth. Men and women wouldn't have risked their their own life and their own reputation for Jesus if they didn't believe all of his story. And you wouldn't risk your life either for a partial truth. They were all in. God promised the birth of Jesus. 
The prophets predicted the birth of Jesus from a virgin woman. The gospel writers proclaimed Jesus as being born of a virgin. And then fourth, the church praises Jesus today, the Son of God who was born of a virgin woman. You know, the very fact that we are here today, meeting today, stresses the importance of the supernatural virgin birth. We gather each and every Sunday to celebrate and praise Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And none of this is possible without his virgin virgin birth. This is part of the gospel message. And because of his supernatural birth, Jesus could bypass the curse of sin on humanity and be that perfect sacrifice. Because he was born of a virgin, Jesus could bypass the sin and the curse of sin on humanity because he would be that perfect sacrifice. And Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 5. Speaking to the church at Rome, Paul says this. He says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people, for all have sinned. And yet there was one person that did not sin, and that was Jesus. Why? Because he was the perfect son of God. And the virgin birth is vitally important to our faith. The uniqueness of his birth, his life, his death, and the resurrection. And, it, and because of these truths, it demands, it demands our allegiance and growing commitment to him. You know, as I was uh, preparing this message, I asked a lot of what-if questions. And one of those questions is, is if Jesus was not born of a virgin, if he was not supernaturally conceived of the Holy Spirit, then who was his father? And as I reflected upon that, I was reminded again of Star Wars. Star Wars only makes sense. The whole storyline only makes sense if Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Now, I'm not comparing God to Darth Vader by any means. But if Darth Vader isn't Luke's father, then it messes the whole movie up, messes the whole storyline up. When we attempt to answer the question, who was Jesus' father if it wasn't God, there is no answer that leaves the gospel intact. The virgin birth explains how Jesus could be both God and man. The virgin birth explains how Jesus was without Sin, the virgin birth, explains how the entire work of salvation is God's incredibly gracious act on humanity. And ultimately, if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then all that we believe about the Bible to be true is actually a lie. So today, I stand in front of you today, just as the apostles did thousands of years ago, and I boldly say, I believe in Jesus, God's only Son, our Lord who was conceived of the Holy Spirit and was born of a virgin. And I thank God that the early church felt that the virgin birth was so significant that they included it in their creed and their declaration of faith. Why? Because God's God's promises are true. God promised Jesus and he followed through and he will do the same for you in your life. So don't doubt Take strength in in the promises found in Scripture because God will bring them and make them true. And the prophets predicted Jesus. 
It gave the prophets and the people in the Old Testament and for us today hope and a future that God will never leave us and he will never forsake us. So why worry? Past predictions fulfilled in Jesus should strengthen our confidence in the future. And the power that created the universe, the power that supernaturally conceived a child in the womb of a virgin is the same power that's available to us today. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? And maybe let's just take a time of reflection for just a brief moment in your seat, right where you're at. Are you battling doubt right now? I'd be lying if I said I don't, I don't face doubt. I, there, there are times I doubt. Are you doubting your faith? Are you doubting your value? Are you doubting the future? God went through tremendous lengths to announce and give us his son, Jesus, who can, who can give you value, who gives you a purpose. And he did this specifically for you and for me. You are highly valued. I love what Jude says. Jude in, in verse 22 says, have mercy on those who doubt. And that's been my prayer today. In those areas of doubt, I'm praying that God's mercy is on you. As you look forward to this week or maybe this month or the remainder of this year, are you looking hopeful into the future or is there a sense of fear? fear? Is there a sense of hesitancy? You know, in my own life, I know that doubt leads to fear and fear leads to worry. Are you worried? Consider for just a moment in this time of quietness, all that God has predicted and fulfilled in the life of Jesus. And even better, reflect upon all that God has brought you through in the past. First Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Would you just do that right now? Would you cast all those things that are weighing you down, that are worrying you, would you cast those to Jesus now because he cares for you and he wants to lift those from you. God, I thank you for the powerful truth that's found in just the simple thought that Jesus was born in a vir- from a virgin. God, so much truth can be pulled from that in our own lives. So Lord, in those moments of doubt, in those moments of worry, help us to reflect upon all the times that you've pulled through for us in the past. And God, I just pray that for that individual that's in this room right now, perhaps it's just worry is overwhelming them. I pray that as they walk out of this room, that that worry has been lifted because they've given it to you, knowing that you can take care of it. God, we love you. We thank you for JCI and its ministry in our community and around the world. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. We all said, amen.